You're a ghost, tra la 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 la. You're a ghost, tra la 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 la. Hello, and welcome to Comic Book Herald Live. Hey everybody, I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor in chief of ComicBookHerald.com. Starting one minute early here, we're going to talk today about new comics, about your questions, about what's coming up in the world of comics and pop culture. Again, I'm Dave. You can go over to comicbookherald.com for more of my work at comicbookherald, pretty much anywhere on social, so long as those socials remain. <laughs> Today, we're going to primarily be talking about Immortal X-Men number eight, but it is going to lead into conversations about the upcoming Sins of Sinister crossover event in X-Men that I'm very excited about. I'm going to talk a little bit about Immortal X-Men as a whole. Definitely going to talk about Kieran Gillen's role in all that, as well as my upcoming live CBH interview with the writer of Immortal X-Men and one of the heads of X. Some spoilers may follow. Some spoilers may follow. If you have not read Immortal X-Men number eight, go do that and then come on back and listen here. Get in your questions and thoughts. This is definitely going to be a question and conversation heavy episode of CBH Live as we speculate wildly on what is going on with Mr. Sinister. What are the schemes? How will they build to the sins of Sinister and beyond? So, Thanks, everybody, if you're here live. Much appreciated. Again, the Super Chat is open. Thanks to everybody who donates and supports the site and the show. Let's do this and talk Immortal X-Men number eight. Now, first, first, we have some questions from some listeners right off the bat. Let's just dive right into these puppies. Okay, Phil asks, Is Sins of Sinister happening just to expedite the future happenings of Powers of Ten, hastening a conclusion of the era because that would stink. There is probably, he actually says that would blow. Um, I don't know why, why I'm censoring stink and blow. Uh, I think for children, for, for the children that uh, I have who I do not support or endorse watching my own live streams, I guess that's who that censorship is for. Um, I think there's nothing probably that X-Men fans fear more than the end of the Krakoa era. Like nothing gets, nothing gets X-Readers hot and bothered like the the potential end. I mean, obviously teasing a fall of X later in 2023 got people real worked up, you know? Oh, it can't end. How could it end? Um, the idea that it could be anything less than like just a, a year's worth build to a spectacular fiery conclusion is terrifying, I think, to X-Men comics fans. Um, so I don't think you're alone in that fear. I think... Is it happening just to expedite the future happenings of Powers of Ten? How about we reframe that another way? How about, is this going to be the first thing that really engages <laughs> with the Powers of Ten buildup and all of the crazy cosmic shenanigans that are out there that are generally untouched, you know, that are generally not worked with? I think that's the upside. That's the huge upside, you know? Um, so I, I look at that not as like, I mean, it, it could come out that way, right? We could get these comics and it could be like, oh, they fast-tracked dominions and societies just to say they did it. And it never comes up again. That would, be, I think, be an unsatisfying approach uh, to this these concepts that were built in the House of X and Powers of Ten by Hickman and company. Uh, but I don't anticipate that's what it's going to be. I mean, Kieran Gillen, Al Ewing, Cy Spurrier are all way too smart and way too clever and way too good at this for it to be just a give the people what they want. They're going to want to do interesting things in and of themselves with these concepts. So I don't think, first off, I think it's going to rule. I think it's going to be really, really fun and exciting to see. Um, I also don't think it's going to hasten a conclusion to the era, right? Like Sins of Sinister is a two-month alternate reality story that's going to take place in like January and February of next year with comics being released. Um, Fall of X isn't scheduled for what? Like later in the summer or... It, ideally the fall of 2023. Um, like there's still more to come. And again, I don't think fall of X is actually going to be an ending of this era. I think it's more going to be like the dissolution of versions of it, you know? Um, plus I guess the counterpoint to all this that I will say in endings are good. Okay. As superhero readers, we often forget that, that it is a good thing for comics to actually end in a satisfying manner. We so rarely get that. These things never end. It's forever, right? It's just, it's the ending of Inferno, just locked in the room with your superhero comics on and on and on forever. And that that unleashes a lot of potential 
and stuff that I really enjoy about the decades-long ways that creators can play off of things that came, again, decades before. Um, but it does also create an issue where, like, stories don't end. Not, not only do they not end satisfyingly, they just straight up don't end. It's just always on to the next thing. <sighs> Fall of X ending the Krakoa era, like, in theory, would not be the worst thing. <laughs> you know? I think in practice, probably it would because it feels like there's so much meat on the bones still. Um, so I don't think the work has been done to the point where that would feel like we're ready for it. Uh, but Sins of Sinister, I think, is a right, is the appropriate, um, time to get into, okay, what are Sinister schemes? I mean, that is the central through line of Kieran Gillen's run on Immortal X-Men. I mean, it's not surprising, right? Like, Kieran Gillen is this creator who comes in with Uncanny X-Men in 2011, basically recreates... Nathaniel Essex as a way more interesting version. Okay. Takes this villain says who hasn't been played with for a little while. Okay. It's Mr. Sinister. It's basically been since Messiah complex. Let's do something different. Let's do something new makes Mr. Sinister way more interesting. No one takes that and runs with it until Hickman in house of X and powers of 10. And now Gillen's back. Like it's the least surprising thing in the world that he would come back in and basically do a, sin, a Mr. Sinister 12-issue maxi, but through the lens of the Quiet Council of the of the X-Men. So you get to have a focus on each character. And we'll talk about that, too, because I feel like the degree of difficulty on what he's pulling off on this book is, like, almost underrated, honestly, um, even though the book is, I think, pretty well supported. So you have a creator who knows this character well. Of course they're going to be the ones to follow through on those threads. All of this is a good thing, <laughs> I promise. Like, like this... Being a Sinister-focused book, these mysteries unraveling, building to a Sins of Sinister ultimate, alternate reality, all this to me feels like a very good thing. And, and part of it is because it's going to lead to good stories, and it already has. But the other part of it is it is forward momentum, right? It is taking teasers, and it is driving them to a logical, promised conclusion. There are still a lot of elements that you can do that with. Right? You can do it with the Phalanx. You can do it with Ascension. You can do it with Dominions. You can do it with, I mean, just Krakoan Medicine is still kind of a thing that, that could be touched on in way more detail. Um, you could do it with, does what does Krakoa look like throughout the galaxy? Right? There's all these things that you can build on from the Bible, from the template of House and Powers. Each one of those things that gets built on, you know, in Fall of X, what I anticipate will be an Orcus versus Krakoa final showdown, good. Like, that's what that should be, right? We should be moving forward on these things, actually seeing them through, and then dealing with the fallout. And I think that's the expectation, is there will be fallout. I mean, the other piece of this, too, that I've been saying week after week now, is the Marvel Universe is super reliant on X-Men comics and the Krakoa era specifically, okay? Like, this Marvel Universe, where comics are at right now, the center is Krakoa. It is this era of X-Men comics, and I think rightly so. But we're seeing even more evidence of that. Just this week, there was an announcement that Captain Marvel is going to have a three-part crossover with the X-Men title starting in early 2023. There's going to be a crossover between Captain Marvel and X-Men. Kelly Thompson's still writing Captain Marvel, Jerry Duggan on X-Men. Carol has a long history with the X-Men and the Brood specifically. It's going to be a Brood, uh, I forget what they call it, Brood Wars or something like that, Rage of the Brood, I don't know, something like that. Um... That makes sense. But again, that's another example of like the other books are going to get pulled into the X-Men's orbit. The idea that there would be sort of a rapid conclusion to the Krakoa era derails everything the Marvel Universe has right now. That's the core. That's what is giving, that is the rising tide that is lifting all other Marvel comics. There's not much more to the Marvel Universe right now than that. <laughs> you know? Avengers is a uh, vacuum. It is a black hole, okay, of of never-ending, unfulfilling stories right now. You know, Fantastic Four just got a reboot, but it's sort of a, it's a quiet, you know, kind of meditative character study approach, seemingly, seemingly, okay? So, yes, this is going to go for a little while. Marvel needs it to, frankly, um, because I don't know what the center of it is. And, like, the Destiny of X has been a really good, steady course correction. You know, if nothing else, Al Ewing and Karen Gillan at the head of the line with Immortal X-Men and X-Men Red have elevated it to levels that it wasn't at 
for a lot of the rain. And now it's back to, and it's exciting. It's exciting, honestly. Like, I think it's going to lead to, it at least has that potential again. I'm, I'm like genuinely, genuinely really looking forward to the sense of sinister. So that was a super long answer to what was, you know, maybe just like half a thought. <laughs> but that means it's a good question. Okay, we got two other questions that are super specific to Immortal X-Men and the conclusion. So we'll get into those. Okay, we'll get into those. Immortal X-Men number eight is written by Kieran Gill and we got art here by Michael or, or Michael Bandini and David Curiel on colors. Um, so this is the Mystique-centered issue. So every issue of Immortal X-Men is focused on one member of the Quiet Council primarily, right? Each each member gets a focus, but then you have tertiary players primarily, Mr. Sinister, sort of driving central narrative throughout it all, right? And But this is the Mystique issue. We have the Destiny issue in number three, which is fantastic. Mystique gets number eight, and, and because, you know, this is the first time we're really getting a look at Mystique and Destiny's relationship in full, you know, um, to this degree, Obviously, that is a big part of it as well. We open this thing with Destiny at, at Alamogordo, um, which is a New Mexico research facility. I think I've talked about this in the past on some Crack and Krakoas, but like basically what this does, it's it's a Fabian Licieza idea, I think. And then Mike Carey expands on it in the very good X-Men legacy run. Um, this is during the story arc where it's revealed that Mr. Sinister placed a backup copy of himself in Professor X's brain and tries to take over Professor X's body. <laughs> that happened. It's very involved. And you don't need to know a heck of a lot more to it than that. I mean, you should read the My Carry Run because it's super worth it. Um, but you don't need to know a heck of a lot more than that other than, like, Destiny was a part of this research group that included Professor X's dad. I think it included Juggernaut's dad. And it included uh, this Dr. Nathan Milbury, who that was a thinly veiled disguise for Mr. Sinister. Okay, so Destiny works with Mr. Sinister in the 1940s on this really um, kind of heinous black womb project that is like experimenting on kids. Um, it is it is genetic, I guess it's eugenics, um, and it's just kind of like nasty and gross and mystique even, right? Myst like mystique is not... Um, what do you what do you call it? You know, she is she is not uh, she does not have a weak stomach <laughs> for violence and these things. But even she sees it and she's like, "What is Destiny doing? How is Destiny a part of this?" But you know, she tends to trust that Destiny sees things and sees the import of it. And she, you know, there's kind of some narration now that she's like looking back. Destiny was playing these games and getting a sense of sinister um, to ultimately get to this stage of Krakoa. You know, uh, it's a super fun issue. It's really well done. You get Mystique and Destiny as like literal Sherlock Holmes and Irene Adler. They are tracking sort of a Jack the Ripper version of Nathaniel Essex shortly after his transformation into Mr. Sinister by Ensabonur, a.k.a. Apocalypse. Um, so if you've read like the, f what is it? The Further Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix. Is that where it happens? No. Whatever the Mr. Now I'm blanking. I think that's it. The the origins of Mr. Sinister, um, where he is, you know, he's transformed from the scientist with iffy ethics into a mad scientist who excises his emotions and his caring, essentially. And he talks here about like, I don't need a wife anymore. What do I have? What do I have need for a wife for? Um, he, he does that through Apocalypse's technology. That turns into, into Mr. Sinister. Gillen has a really interesting interpretation of all that in that his Essex and Sinister are very Jekyll and Hyde. Um, you know, like there is a Nathaniel Essex who is the weak, dying doctor of sorts. And then there's this Mr. Sinister that is this uber-powerful Hulk Hyde monster that is murdering. So Mystique and Destiny are on their trail trying to figure things out. Um, it's pretty good. It's pretty good stuff. I mean, this series is really, it's really excellent. There's there's a delicate degree of difficulty in what Gillen's doing with the one character per issue approach to Immortal X-Men. Like, this is a hard structure to have saddled yourself with, you know? It defies a lot of what we typically expect from Marvel superhero comics in the sense of needing you know, a, a narrative sort of driving through all these books and bouncing a bunch of different plot lines that all sort of feed into the same narrative 
it's kind of doing that, you know, through the sinister connections and through this destiny versus sinister war, which is, you know, a hundred plus years old at this point. Um, but it's also doing a really unique and, and, um, satisfying look at each of these individual 12 people in the quiet council. Uh, it's, it's quite the work. It's quite the work. Uh, so again, this is a continuity heavy thing, I think for destiny and sinister at the same time, I think it's all pretty accessible, you know, like you might not know, there's a number of references that, you know, if you, if you're not steeped in that lore and again, like the, the number of folks who are like, like, oh yeah, I've researched the hell out of the Black Womb Project. Like they are the people who have had to write or speak about Mr. Sinister at length. <laughs> like I guarantee you that is the crowd. Um, it is just people who are like, I have had to try to make a Mr. Sinister reading order and follow the Black Moon Project because it's super scattered. Um, but this, you know, this kind of ties it up succinctly, I think, and I, I think effectively. So uh, I also really like the detail here of, so Nathaniel Essex is studying, you know, essentially the mutant genome for like the first time. And he doesn't know what it is, right? But he, he knows he's fascinated by it. He knows he loves its evolution. When he sees that Mystique and Destiny have abilities, he describes them as Essex men, which is a very good Gillen-esque pun. Um, that works here. That that works here. As well as the commentary on, <laughs> if, if we fought back on, you know, the, the label men every time, we would never get everything anything done, which is kind of a decent explanation for like, hey, why'd they go with the name X-Men? Uh, so, okay, a couple things here. The very ending of this comic is, is certainly the most clearly we've had it laid out as to the nature of Mr. Sinister's and clones in the Krakoa era. Okay, now we have seen previously in Jerry Duggan's X-Men that the uh, one of the characters in Orcus, Dr. Stasis, one of the, the humans who is working against Krakoa to, to try to maintain human superiority on the planet and keep mutants from, you know, ascending, um, they are revealed to be the sinister of, is it clubs? Um, a, different, a different suit than the red diamond we typically see on Sinister. And then it was like, oh, okay, so we're doing the four suits of Sinister, but as of yet, those are the only two. Like, we know our, our red diamond Sinister is the one on Krakoa. Presumably that's our mutant Sinister. We have Dr. Stasis is presumably our human Sinister. And then we have two others. In the very ending of Mortal X-Men here, it shows that, so Nathaniel Essex dies. He sees something, red and black, red and black, and then he has the line, you're a ghost, you're a ghost. And, and Nathaniel Essex dies. So the original Essex, the Mr. Sinister, is dead. And part of the mystery of what Mystique is talking about in the present day is like, we actually don't, or she's like, I don't actually know how he came back. You know, I wonder if Destiny does, like I think she would have told me. It seems like Destiny probably does know because she finds without Mystique the clone tanks where each one has a suit of cards. We have our diamond, our club, our heart, and our spade. All the tanks are busted open. All the sinisters are loose. So there are there is confirmation here of four sort of original cloned sinisters, but none of them are actually the original Nathaniel Essex, which I wonder if that's why we keep seeing the line, you're a ghost, you're a ghost. I mean, my prediction when Immortal X-Men number one came out was that maybe Destiny told Mr. Sinister he's not the original. If you remember from that issue, Destiny leans over on a park bench and whispers to Mr. Sinister something. We don't know what. And then he, like, melts. He disintegrates and he mutters, you're a ghost, you're a ghost, before he seemingly dies. I, at the time, I was like, I don't know what that could be, but I wonder if she said, you know, you're not the original like you think, and that triggers some sort of destruction mechanism. It remains a tantalizing possibility. You know, that they, that they are suddenly realizing they think they're the real one, but actually they're just a ghost. I feel like it's going to be a little more complicated than that. You know, I feel like it's going to be more complicated, but it's out there. It's a possibility. And so we the other two Sinister clones that we haven't met that are going to be part of this, you know, pack of four. Um, last week, or maybe it's two weeks ago now, after reading... What was it? I think X-Men Red, maybe? And the way Al Ewing's using this character Orbis Stellaris, um, I was like, oh, okay, so so that's a Mr. Sinister. So that's our Space Sinister. Okay, I think I locked that one in a couple weeks ago. And then we have one more. We have one more 
mystery sinister to get revealed and it increasingly seems to me like that's probably going to be the character from legion of x that was introduced that gillen then pulled in to immortal x-men in the sebastian shaw issue and that's mother righteous this brand new character i think this would be the one that doesn't like like if her name was mother superior which is already a character um it would clearly be mr sinister because we'd have an ms going on uh, the fact that it's an R <laughs> throws us a mild complication, but it's the same sort of thing, right? It's a two-part name, um, and it's a character that came out of nowhere, has tremendous import, is, you know, you have Cy Spurrier and Kieran Gillen as two of the three writers of Sins of Sinister. They're both playing with this new character. That's not an accident, okay? That's probably not an accident. So I think that's going to be the Sinister of the Astral Plane, the one who gets into psychic stuff. Okay, and I think those are going to be our four. I, I think those are going to be our four. It will be super fascinating to see what kinds of different things are they all doing? What kind of, because like their schemes don't align, you know, like I don't anticipate or it would be a nice twist if the four of them came together in any capacity, you know, because certainly on the surface, we have a Mr. Sinister on Krakoa who's doing his thing, but is with the mutants. And then we have a Sinister on the opposite side with Orcus, although if they're simultaneously scheming for themselves and kind of doing their own thing, then maybe it doesn't matter what sides they're aligned with. But then we're going to have the one of space and we're going to have one of the astral plane. I think those are our four sinisters. So this isn't, the fact that there are like four sinisters of card suits is not a brand new thing, clearly, but it is a step in the right direction and it is a development and it is confirmation that like, yeah, that's definitely happening. Okay, that is definitely happening. It's good. It's good. I'm super excited to see where this mystery goes. There's going to be two issues of Immortal X-Men, number 9 and number 10, that come out prior to Sins of Sinister. And, you know, one thing I had forgotten until... So I'm, I'm interviewing uh, Gillen this weekend, and so I'm rereading some of the, you know, actually, like, all of his creator-owned stuff, but then I was actually looking at Immortal X-Men, number one, and then the first... What I do? The first three after reading number eight today. And in number one... There's uh, a page, a data page called Immortal Sinister Secrets. And what you realize is each of the 13 items is an issue of the comic of Immortal X-Men. And it's like, you know, describing basically what's going to happen in that issue based on who the issue is focused on. So like number one is the Sinister issue. And it says, which certain young lady is keeping private company with Mr. Sinister? And the reveal at the end of issue one is Sinister's keeping clones of Moira McTaggart. Um, and he's using her mutant lifeline reactivation to basically live, die, repeat his way through X-Men comics, right? And this narrative. Uh, another detail that I noticed there actually with the clones that I just noticed, and maybe we talked about this previously, but I don't remember. Um, the Moira clone in the middle tank is awake. All the other ones are, you know, eyes closed. Sinister's just using them. The one in the middle is awake. And... If these clones are developing some degree of consciousness, I do wonder if that is a road back to getting not evil robot Moira. <laughs> like, I don't think that's probably the main objective of this book, but it feels like a possible out, you know, that you could have uh, Moira Pryor, right? You could have your Madeline Pryor version of Moira, who's awake in the clone tanks, come out and actually be the version of that character that I think we all want to see. That'd be cool. That would be cool. I would be into that. Obviously I would. It's my idea <laughs> and I'm pitching it. But anyway, this Immortal Sister Secrets goes on and it's clear like, oh, okay, number two is talking about hope. Number three is talking about destiny. These were all the future characters. Now the ones we have coming. Um, and so like the one for today, based on the story of Mystique and Destiny as Sherlock dealing with um, Mr. Sinister, it says, acting like being immortal is a new thing is very gouch. Some of us have been rocking the look for a while, and trust me, we've had all manner of adventures, right? So it's teasing the fact that this is going to be, you know, focused on the fact that they've been doing stories for a good long time. Number nine. So the cover is teasing a Kitty Pride, a Kate Pride centered episode. It's got Mr. Sinister holding like giant cable guns at her okay and what number nine says is look on the bright side the council chamber being white means it's easy to see where you have to mop up the blood stains obviously i don't know how but i think issue nine is going to be 
massacres, mutant massacres in the Quiet Council, but like repeatedly, you know, like resetting the lifeline, sinister scheming to kill any number of Quiet Council members. Now, how that's simultaneously going to be our Kate issue? Interesting question. I do not have the answer to, certainly. Um, but I think we can expect, like, a lot of folks on the Quiet Council are going to get it. <laughs> Probably over and over again in this issue. Number 10, the second issue that's going to come out as a prelude to Sins of Sinister, says, finally, someone who actually deserves it gets thrown in the pit. Good riddance. The cover to issue 10 is Professor X with his cerebral helmet smashed with flames all around him. Every implication here is Professor X gets thrown into the pit. Every implication, okay? I don't think it would take much, honestly, for the council to find reason to do that. So could the build to Sins of Sinister in many ways um, sort of begin and end with getting Professor X thrown into the pit? I buy it. I buy it. I, I feel like there's a, there's a, I don't know that it's a Dave Stinney lock that that's what's happening because it feels maybe too predictable, you know, if, if the tea leaves are like, because usually reading into comic book covers is a fool's errand, you know, it will not tell you anything. Um, but I don't know. I feel, I feel like 70% confidence level. All right. Like 70% confidence level that Professor X is going in the pit. All right. Or, or it could be, I'm seeing here from Xavier isn't Beast a better candidate for the pit? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Beast is our absolute best candidate for the pit. Um, could it be the Professor X issue? And sort of his sins are outed in their many detail. His role with X-Force gets called into question. And then, yeah, maybe it's not him that actually goes in. Maybe it's Beast, but it feels like a lost because it's his game and it's one of his original five. I think that could work. I think that could work too. Um, so, yeah. I, I think that's where we're, or not I think, I mean, that's where we're heading. Um, issue 11 and 12, we don't know the covers. We don't have uh, previews yet, I don't think. The only characters that we haven't had a focus on will have been Colossus, who is still a weird Russian mole. <laughs> is there any other kind of mole? Um, he's, he's still out there lingering. Sinister knows his deal, by the way. I don't know that anybody else on the Quiet Council does. Um, and then, who am I missing? Who am I missing that we haven't had? We had our Exodus. We had Mystique just now. We had our Nightcrawler. Uh, who am I missing? Storm, maybe? Is Storm still on the Quiet Council? She's doing double duty with the Brotherhood? How does she do it? How does she do it? It's interesting. I'm super invested in where all this is going. Love them, Mortal X-Men. Love where it's going with Sin Sinister. Get in your questions and thoughts. Otherwise, I'm going to address these ones we had right up front. Quick drink of water, and I'll be back. Uh, Kurt here asks, is the pit still hell since Sabretooth busted out? You know, this is actually a question that I had for Victor Laval, Victor Laval, rather, uh, in an interview we just did uh, this past weekend about Sabretooth, and it was a little too spoilery, <laughs> like, to address properly. Uh, you know, one other thing that I will say, I mean, this interview is going to go up and I encourage you all to listen to it because it's a super fun talk and Victor's fascinating, awesome, awesome writer. Um, one thing he teased about Sabretooth and Sabretooth and the Exiles and where that book is going is that got my attention. Is that book's going to have a lot more Doug Ramsey stuff than I think I was anticipating? Because, so Doug's a pretty major player because of his role in sort of being the voice of what's going on in Krakoa. And remember, the pit is a, a function of Krakoa. Um, he's a pretty big role in the first Sabretooth mini, but, you know, he's a he's a secondary character. Sabretooth in the Exiles, he doesn't show up at all in issue number one. I think as this progresses, Laval's going to have more to do with Doug than probably I was anticipating. Uh, just just in hearing him talk about that, I feel like there's plans there. And I'm, I'm pretty interested in that because I feel like, you know, Doug has become his connection to Warlock, his connection to Krakoa, his role as the sort of... Uh, the sort of middle ground neutral side of the, you know, control for Krakoa and for mutantum is super fascinating and a little bit underexplored. So I think that could work. But yeah, as for like, is the pit even in use post Sabretooth? Like, by all accounts, it shouldn't be, <laughs> you know, like, but, you know, I guess the, the other side of it is, I guess they must know. They know that Sabretooth's out, right? Because Mystique and Destiny confront him. So that's that's not secret knowledge. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, no. Like, there's there's no great reason to continue using the pit other than the Quiet Council or, you know, they make bad decisions. <laughs> and they're corrupted by their power. But yeah, good question. Okay, let's see. Travis S. says, just read a theory on the X-Men subreddit. The Mother Righteous could be one of the other Sinister clones. Any thoughts on this? Yeah. <laughs> it's that I beat you to it. Beat you to it, X-Men subreddit. Take that. Already talked about it. Um, okay, I'm also seeing uh, some conversation here about could the man with the peacock tattoo from the Ben Percy X-Force, the longest ongoing mystery in the history of Marvel Comics, uh, <laughs> could that be one of the Sinister Clones? I flipping hope not. I flipping hope not. That would be so disappointing. <laughs> I would hate that. Uh, I don't think it's likely. I don't think it's likely. I think if we were at a different point in this narrative, that could have been an option. Uh, but no flipping way. No flipping way is that going to happen. Okay, Marcos asked, Hey Dave, did the OG Essex split his mind in four? And none of those are really him, but new beings entirely. Did you notice that the second data page in issue number one has a huge spoiler of every number one to number 12? Okay, so we talked about that second part just now. Um, do I think the four Sinisters are four aspects of Essex versus direct clones? I, that's an interesting theory. I mean, I guess that would explain why they're all, why they're labeled differently, you know, with the different suits um but also like why they're all out there doing seemingly different things yeah i could buy it i mean i i think they're i guess that's one maybe important distinction is like okay so there's four variations but there's not they're not just like four clones that are exactly the same right or at least it doesn't seem that way because they're all doing very different things you know they're all out there doing different things with very different focuses so i suspect you're onto something there i really do uh, Brayden asks, do you think one of those Sinisters is a full-on hero? Maybe that one dressed as Captain America. <laughs> that would be a fun twist. That would be a fun twist. The Cap this whole time was a Mr. Sinister. Uh, I'm going to say absolutely not. No way. <laughs> I, think, I think Secret Empire gave Marvel their absolute fill of Cap was secretly aligned with Nazis. Don't think they'll be pulling that trigger again, uh, but but I like the general outlandishness of that theory. I do enjoy that. Uh, okay, let's see. Do you think the Chimeras might stick around after SOS? I think yes. I mean, it is it is interesting to consider like what a possible post SOS could look like for Mister Sinister. You know, does he just become, I mean, I feel like the most likely scenario is he becomes the Hannibal Lecter. You know, he's on ice and we think we have him imprisoned in our control, but we want him around because he gives really good speeches, <laughs> you know? Uh, and if that's the case, then yeah, Chimeras are in play. I mean, I think, I guess one thing to the, to the first question we talked about is like the powers of 10 ideas about all the stuff Sinister did kind of in the future. I think that stuff will get played with in Sins of Sinister, but I, I don't think that that means it's not going to get touched on in the in the actual build in the present-day X-Men comics. You know, like, I think we're still going to be building to some of those ideas. They're just going to get played with, like, in a very fast and outlandish way in a rough-and-ready crossover, you know? Um, okay. I don't think Council knows Sabretooth and the others are out because Doug and Krakoa isn't telling them. You know, yeah, that's what I was considering is like, okay, maybe Doug wouldn't tell them. But Sabretooth literally runs into Mystique and Destiny on his way out. They go out there to stop him. They are alerted to that. Uh, now, Destiny and Mystique could certainly keep their own secrets. So I don't, I'm not 100%. I, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of noise and there's a lot of people that know, which makes me think mm, probably that is a no that everyone has escaped the pit. But that yeah, that is, I, I could see it either way, actually. Jay says here, Doug, Destiny, Mystique are the only one aware he's loose, but in X-Men Unlimited issue, the Council are aware that people have escaped the pit before. Yeah, I mean, if the Council is aware that someone has escaped the pit, 
who what other situation would that be right i mean is there a, is there a first prisoner before sabretooth i don't think so at least that we know of at this point okay what other questions do we got if xavier gets thrown into the pit does it justify the fall of x era now, I mean, originally when I saw the fall of X, I thought that was going to be the fall of Charlie, you know, to begin with. Um, I thought that was going to be more about his fall. If he falls right before Sins of Sinister, I mean, somebody's getting thrown in the pit. It's right there <laughs> in, the, in the teaser, and they have not lied to us once. Um, Beast is a good guess. Like, somebody Sinister would be satisfied being thrown into the pit as well, which I guess is maybe everyone, but I feel like there would be extra, extra satisfaction if it was smug Xavier, you know? Um, I mean, I, th I think the fall of X is already justified, right? The fall of Professor X is perfectly justified. Um, it would, if you invert that though, and you say, okay, look what happens to Krakoa without Professor X around, and actually it's bad, that would actually be kind of a nice turn on things. Cause like, listen, Professor X is, is, is a jerk. We all know this. He's arrogant. He's made mistake after mistake. At some point, I could get into rooting for him for once. <laughs> you know, I could get into the hero turn. I could get into him actually doing some, some good business and good works and making Krakoa the thing it could have been. So that, that could potentially work together. I'm interested in that. Um, let's see, it says here, no way Fall of X ends the era. What are they going to do? Go back to the mansion? Yeah, I mean, I think the camps of, uh, folks who, like, like, there's a tent outside with, like, three guys who are, like, let's go back to the mansion, make things good again, and then there's, like, a whole campground of folks who are, like, please <laughs> do not go back to the mansion. So, yeah, I mean, I'm... Like, why? Why would you do that? <laughs> it makes no sense. I already talked about it. There's no way that's happening. Uh, JD asks, thoughts on Kevin Conroy passing? Um, I mean, like, like absolutely everyone. Like, incredibly sad news. It's a tragic passing. Just, like, the influence Kevin Conroy had on so many people uh, is, is kind of amazing. I mean, absolutely is the voice of Batman you know, through the animated series, through the video games, like that is a million percent what I think of when I think of Batman, um, which is is really impressive, I, I think, too, compared to like, you know, if I think of Spider-Man, I actually don't think of any like the actors, right, in movies or whatever. Um, and, but, you know, I'm closer to thinking about, like I think of Hugh Jackman, right, for Wolverine, the fact that it would be actually just like a voice actor, not just, that's condescending, I don't mean to be, the fact that it's a voice actor that came to embody, I mean, the most popular superhero in America um, is remarkable. Remarkable work. And yeah, I mean, obviously it's a tremendous, tremendous loss and, and a real bummer. Sad to see. Uh, I've actually really not seen, a, I haven't seen all of Batman the Animated Series. It has been on my, I so badly want to watch this list, but I'm saving it for when my kids are old enough to watch it with. That is like the one reason to like stay healthy <laughs> is is to get old enough that I can watch Batman the Animated Series with my kids when they're old enough. That is my my secret personal mission. But yeah, no, it's it's a sad loss. Let's see what other questions do we got. I think the Yora Ghost line is a callback to mutants in the Powers of Ten future using a mnemonic trigger to wipe their minds when they're captured. Uh, well, the two times we've seen it has been when Sinisters have died. So, and I, it's muttered after they begin to die, or maybe in progress. Like, like the, in Immortal Number 1, I think he starts, like, having all the black goo ooze out of his nose before he ever starts saying, you're a ghost. So I don't know that that works, but I like the idea. I do like the idea. That's interesting. Bring back a little bit more of Hero Xavier. Yeah, I mean, eventually it's going to be time. I do think that. It would be nice to see a bounce back. You know, where he... Like, like here's, the, here's the way he can do it, right? He has to admit his mistakes. He has to take less power, you know, 
bring himself down several notches. But then, yeah, it would be nice to would be nice to see it. All right, what about Sinister planning himself as a Trojan horse inside certain families like Xavier, Marco, and others, right, which is what he does in the Mike Carey X-Men Legacy run? Uh, could Helmet Bro Xavier be a Sinister hidden under our noses? At this point, no, because <laughs> we've seen Professor Charlie several times, and I don't think that works anymore. But, I mean, that would have been fun. It would have been fun. But, no, I, I mean, I think that's the thing. It's like these four... Sinisters are all going to be four pretty different versions. We have a mutant one scheming. We have a human one with Orcus. We're going to get a reveal of a cosmic one, and I think we're going to get a reveal of a psychic, you know, astral plane one. Do you think we'll see our boy Brew in the Brew crossover with Captain Marvel? Yes, 100%. Like, that is what this story is going to be. It's going to follow up on Brew is the king of the brood. Um, the announcement, the press release I got emailed for was like, you know, yeah, like things aren't going amazing <laughs> for King Brew. And this is the story that's going to follow up on it. So, yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm definitely excited for it. Throw Blob in the pit, says Timothy. He's an irresponsible bartender facilitating Sage's alcoholism. <laughs> pit worthy, I would argue nay. Uh, but a fair criticism. A fair criticism. I have never tended bar, so I definitely don't know the ins and outs of like, when is it appropriate to cut someone off when they're clearly an alcoholic, which is what is happening with Sage, which is sad, but also makes sense. Um, Blob could take a stand. Blob could take a stand. And here's the thing, if he takes a stand, nobody's moving him. Ain't nobody moving that Blob. I think it could work. Good comment. I like it. If we get a heroic Xavier, he needs a less creepy costume. The black Spanix and helmet look just screams villain. Yeah, but it's so cool. It's so cool. Charlie has never looked cooler. Maybe like, oh, you know what he should do? When Professor Charlie makes his hero turn, you go Hickman's FF with Steve Epting all white, right? Give Xavier the white spandex, the white Cerebro helmet with that little bit of gold from the Hellfire Gala. That would rule. That would rule. Xavier was on a long road to redemption until House and Powers hit, James says. Now... That makes it sound like that would have been better, <laughs> which is not true. Hey, by the way, by the way, all of the Comic Book Herald No Prizes to the first X Office creator to touch on Professor Charlie's time as X when he, like, <laughs> transported his mind into a very fit-looking Steve Rogers-esque body has not been mentioned, has not been dealt with, the longer it's never mentioned, the funnier it, it gets, I will admit. But again, all of the no prizes to whoever actually addresses, even just an aside, Karen could do it. Karen could do it in Immortal Number 10. If that's going to be the Professor Charlie book, give me one joke. Give me one joke about the time Professor X transformed himself into a hunk. What was he doing during that time? Nobody knows. <laughs> oh, it was Phantom X's body. Okay, less, less, it was drawn very hunky, although I actually don't think of Phantom X being that. Come on, I, I want one joke. That's all I ask. All I ask. Somebody reference it. Let's see. If there were another FF X-Men crossover in this era, what would be an exciting premise? Hey, remember, remember when Chip Zdarsky wrote a Fantastic Four X-Men crossover and it ended with, like, Doctor Doom planning a secret war against mutants? That hasn't been mentioned in several years. There's another thread we can and should come back to. Uh, I mean, I think the exciting premise for me would be fulfilling that promise. You've got Valeria Richards and Dr. Doom talking about some sort of war with Krakoa. Like, do it. Do that. I'm here for it. Xavier is the new yay. Uh, I can't support that. <laughs> Professor X has done bad things, but uh, I don't... Even, even with all of the mistakes, has not tarnished his reputation to that degree. Even with all of the mistakes. Um, I think Beast is our closest yay competition, actually. Right? Like, if I have to make a one-to-one, -one, it's Beast and yay. You know? Um, I'm, I mean, in my head, I'm kind of like, okay, then is Jay-Z... Who's Jay-Z? Is Drake Colossus? But I, need to, I would need to sit down and write this one out to get it right. Uh, but I feel good about that Beast comp. 
All right, what else we got? All right, we got like 10 minutes. Get in your questions. I'm going to take one more drink. Get in as many questions as you can. I will address all of them. Thank you. So the plan is this Saturday, November, what is it, 20th? Is that how time works? November, no, it's Sunday. This Sunday, November 20th. Um, I should be interviewing Karen Gillen live here on the Comfort Girl channel. That will, of course, be made available to everyone after the fact as well. If you can't join us, I'll try to put that post up. So like, subscribe to the channel, all that fun stuff. If you want to make sure you see when that interview is happening, I've got a gazillion questions. It's going to be like kind of a Judgment Day post-game show, but obviously it's also going to be like, you know, we're going to have to talk about Immortal X-Men, the build of Sins of Sinister. Plus, I'm like, I've been reading every creator-owned thing they've ever done. Um, it should be really fun. I've, I'm having a blast going through. So I read all of Die, which I slept on a little bit. I read the first volume and I was kind of like, okay, like I don't, I don't do RPGs. So it's kind of not my thing. Um, that book gets better and better and better as it goes. Really enjoyed Die. Definitely improved in my estimation. I'm also now, apparently I never finished The Wicked and the Divine. <laughs> I'm realizing. So I'm doing that, having a blast doing that. That's already ranked fairly highly on my best comics of all time list, it's definitely going to go up. It does some super interesting inventive things there with Jamie McKelvey. And then, uh, oh, Once in Future, I'm catching up on and having a blast. I'm a sucker for some good Beowulf action. And uh, this series delivers. Also, Dan Mora, just like off the charts, cool artist. Off the charts. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm having a blast doing the creator-owned Gillen special. Uh, it, listen, like if for no other reason, my long con to set up a comic book website that would allow me to have private conversations with my favorite writers and force me to create homework for myself to read all of those awesome comics that I haven't made time for yet. Like, just highly recommended. Highly recommended Long Con. It's going very well for me. Thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> let's see. Demarius asks, were those Doombot Sentinels? Yeah, Doom did make Doom Sentinels. Um, that should come up again as well. <laughs> that should definitely come up again as well. Uh, let's see. RZ says, I sent you a super chat. Oh, no. Oh, no. Let's get to scrolling and find that puppy. There it is. I recommend today Blade Vampire Nation one-shot. Great take of Jason Aaron's vampire plot. Henry Kissinger is a vampire working with Dracula with Sun Tzu. You know, if I didn't remember seeing that Mark Russell was writing that, that last sentence would have told me <laughs> that that is the case. Uh, Mark Russell's awesome and does some some really good stuff with big two concepts. So I will I will actually check that out. Um, I, I will definitely check that out because Mark Russell's writing. So thanks for the recommendation. I appreciate it. Let's see the other comics I read today. I read Gold Goblin, uh, which didn't do a ton for me, and. Is there anything else new? I read uh, the first seven issues of Grant Morrison and Frank Whiteley on New X-Men because we're covering that on the My Marvelous Year podcast this weekend. That's a trip. That's If you haven't before read Grant Morrison's X-Men pitch manifesto, just Google that, like Grant Morrison, New X-Men, you know, manifesto. It is a fascinating read. There's so much interesting thinking there in terms of like how do we make the x-men cool what makes for a cool x-men story there's also just some really good like evergreen thinking on like you know morrison says stuff to the effect of like marvel got too conservative and we're just playing the hits to all the fanboys who are gonna buy the comics anyway like we need some new in new interesting stuff to reach new audiences it's it's a really interesting read and i just oh speaking of really interesting reads and my my gillen binge google gillen dazzler pitch <laughs> i had not read this before karen gillen wrote a dazzler pitch back in 2007 and not only is it super fun to read and it is it sounds like it would have been a really fun comic it is <laughs> shockingly predictive of what just happened in judgment day check it out if you don't believe me okay what else do we got here any final questions apparently gillen had to sacrifice a number of story threads for the axe event Maybe ask him to go a little more in-depth on that if he can during your interview. That's a good question. That's a good question, right? What didn't you have space for? What got cut? That sort of thing. That can always be intriguing. We can throw it out there. I like it. We'll give credit here to Banksy Main as well if there's time. Okay, what else do we got? Do, do, do. What book from next week releases are you looking forward to? What are next week's releases? I don't know. I haven't even looked yet. Let's check that out right now. Live on the mic. We're going to pull them up. 
Let's see. I mean, it's Thanksgiving week, so I'm guessing it's going to be a little less packed, maybe, is how that goes. Um, we got Dark Web stuff kicking off. We got X-Men number 17. <sighs> we got an X-Force book. Right now, it's looking like not many. Uh, Defenders number 5. I'm kind of looking forward to seeing that mini all together. Uh, ooh, you know what, actually? You know what I'm most looking forward to? Trad Moore doing Doctor Strange Fall Sunrise. It's going to be a four-issue, I mean, presumably out of, yeah, definitely out of continuity series. Trad Moore uh, is a brilliant, brilliant artist. They did um, Silver Surfer Black with Donny Cates, one of the coolest-looking Marvel books of the last several years. That should be cool. I'm looking forward to that first issue. Um, that should be a really good time. Okay. Thanks for the questions, everybody. This has been a blast, as always. Comics are good. X-Men comics are fun. Mr. Sinister is a great villain. Sins of Sinister is going to rule. I will see you all this weekend as I talk to Karen. Thanks, everybody, for joining, and enjoy the comics. <laughs>